Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. Both do that. contains the Aseris Adibris, um, which includes the mitzvah to keep Shabbos. Um, and part of keeping Shabbos is not only refraining from performing uh, any one of the 39 prohibited categories of Malacha, Amatas Abbas Malachas, um, but also includes many items that were prohibited in Midrabanan. One of the things that was prohibited in Midrabanan by Chazal was engaging in business on Shabbos, Mekach Memkar, lest a person will come to record the transaction, either the buyer or the seller, will presumably record the transaction. Um, and that could lead a person to writing on Shabbos. So it's like Zeir Shema Yichtoiv, lest you come to writing on Shabbos, because I prohibited one from engaging in business on Shabbos. However, the Ramban in Parashas Emar um, quotes from Mechilton, Parashas Boy, that seems to indicate that some of these prohibitions, Midrabanan, that were articulated by Chazal, um, even though they don't technically violate one of the Lam Tesafis Malachos, are in fact prohibited Midraisa on Shabbos. And the Ramban wonders, how could that be the case if they're, you know, technically only Asim the Rabbanan? The Ramban explains that it's because it's included in a larger, uh, bigger mission or heading of Shabbos, and that is that Shabbos is described as a day of Shabbosan. Shabbos and Yantif are both described as a day of Shabbosan, of holy rest, a day when a person connects uh, spiritually to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And in order for the day to be able to accomplish that mission, it has to have a certain atmosphere and a certain character to it. And therefore, the Ramban says, if a person is going to go about literally business as usual on Shabbos, uh, stores are going to be full, and people are going to go shopping. Then they will miss out on what the you know what the what the what the mission of the day is there to accomplish. It won't have that atmosphere and that uh, character that the Torah wants us to have on on Shabbos. And therefore, says the Ramban, even though business is technically only us, to have stores open and people conducting business and running their businesses on Shabbos violates this larger quality of the day, character of the day, that Shabbos is supposed to be a day of, uh, of Shabbosan. So that's what many businesses uh, run into this problem. A person you know, running their business on Shabbos will violate Mecca Memkar, certainly this issue of Shabbosan. Other businesses might even violate other prohibitions, right? If a person has a business that part of the business is to violate one of the Lama Tesafis Malachas, you know, he does an activity as part of his business, the service he provides. Until he's violating one of the Lamentas of his Malachas, and then that will be involved, you know, and then to keep his business open on Shabbos would be a violation of that particular Malacha, aside from the Mekachu Memkar Shabbason uh, component. And even if he'll ask a Nachri to do the Malacha on his behalf, as we've been discussing, Amir Nachri is also Midra Banan, for whatever reason prompted Chazal to prohibit Amir Nachri. And the bottom line is, you can't ask a Nachri to do a Malacha for you on Shabbos. And even if the Nachri volunteers to do so, um, as long as it's on your behalf, you're prohibited from benefiting from that which he did, and you have to instruct him, if he'll listen to you, to stop doing what he's doing. So you have to intervene uh, and, uh, and make sure that he, that he stops doing it. So you certainly can't ask him to do it on your behalf and to keep your business open by employing Nachrim would, would, uh, would continue to be an Iser um, Midrabanan. So that's why, as the Uncle Moishi song goes, I believe on the first album, uh, ain't going to work on Saturday, right? Double, triple, quadruple pay, ain't going to work on Saturday. Jews typically close their business on Shabbos, and that practice should be maintained. Uh, people continue to close businesses on Shabbos with great mysterious nefesh. Uh, in uh, previous generations, it was more mysterious nefesh, but even today, there's uh, many people, depending on your industry and your position and uh, community and society, whatever it is, 
pressures that exist. It's a great mysterious nefesh to close a business for Shabbos, but that was, uh, you know, one of the hallmarks of, of uh, firm Jews. Uh, however, that said, there are some situations where that's not financially feasible. There are some industries where the most profitable day is Shabbos. Now, should a Jew be in that industry where the most profitable day is Shabbos when you're choosing a career path? You know, that's a time, discussion for another time. But, you know, obviously, you can avoid these things, you know, better to avoid them. But if a person finds himself in an industry where the most productive day is Shabbos, it's simply not feasible to close a business for Shabbos. But more common is there are businesses where in order for the business to uh, operate, uh, the, you know, the business model doesn't lend itself to being closed on Shabbos. Let's say a person owns real estate commercial real estate, residential real estate. The buildings are going to be open on Shabbos because there are tenants that live in the buildings on Shabbos. Now, you can do as much as you can to limit the activities that are malachos, right, in the residential buildings too during the week as opposed to on Shabbos. And, uh, you know, let's say a person owns a healthcare facility. So they're going to have to be open on Shabbos because you have residents that are in their homes on Shabbos. And again, now, there some of the activities might be permitted because some of the people there are, you know, pikuach nefesh. Some of them, you know, are, are at least chaylim, and might be entitled to certain leniencies in halacha uh, regardless. So some of the things could be allocated or designated during the week, and even those that have to be done on Shabbos might be permitted for other reasons. But generally speaking, you're running a business that's going on on Shabbos, and there could potentially be malachas that take place. Uh, What does a person do if he's in one of these kinds of of industries? Which is simply, you know, doesn't allow... uh, them to shut down for Shabbos. So there are three um, uh, frameworks uh, or three strategies that can be used to deal, to negotiate with this situation. Um, we'll present all three, starting from what I think is the most preferable down to the, uh, to, to the least preferable. Um, the first option is to outsource the operations of the business to a third party. What are you talking about outsource it to a third party who's not Jewish? Obviously, to outsource it to another Jew wouldn't help. So you're going to outsource it to another third party who's not Jewish. Yeah, but Amiru Anachri is prohibited. So it's true, Amiru Anachri is prohibited. To ask Anachri to do a malacha for me on my behalf, even if I didn't ask him if he volunteers to do it on my behalf, would still be prohibited. Um, but the Gemara does tell us, that if I own a business and I lease it to a non-Jew, and he's going to operate the business over Shabbos. So I rent it to him for Shabbos. I take a flat fee. And then he's going to operate the business over Shabbos and take the money from the customers. Um, then under certain circumstances, that can be permitted. If I have a bathhouse, the Gemara says, and people pay to use the bathhouse, um, so then I can't, I'm not allowed to rent it to a non-Jew to operate over Shabbos because not, uh, most people in the industry of bathhouses don't uh, lease out their businesses. They don't rent it to other people to operate for one day a week or for a certain period of time. Uh, they operate it themselves. So since it's not a common arrangement in that uh, industry, so there's a mara sign that's created. So even though I'm not operating myself, I'm giving it over to someone else to operate over Shabbos, there is a mara sign that people are going to think that this continues to be the Jewish person's bathhouse. And they won't know that other people are paying to use the, the sauna and the pool and the, the bathhouse. However, if you do have a business which is prone to being rented out, or you know, lease to somebody else, then that can that kind of arrangement can be permitted on Shabbos. The says if you have a sada which you would lease out to a sharecropper for a certain period of time, and they're going to take you know a percentage of that which they grow or sell or produce, 
um, and pay the owner a flat fee for renting or for using the property, that can be done on Shabbos, and the non-Jew can continue to operate the Jewish farm over Shabbos, because most people know that you rent out farms, you lease out farms in these kinds of share crop or arrangements, and they know that the non-Jew is running the property. Now, why is that allowed? Why is it allowed? He's running it over Shabbos. The answer is because once I lease it out to the non-Jew, I rent it out to him for a flat fee, that which he does over Shabbos, and what he produces or sells, um, he's doing that because of his, he wants to earn his own profits. He's doing that having himself in mind, not the Jew in mind. The Jew, he paid a, fat fee, a flat fee before Shabbos. The fact that he produces uh, things over Shabbos and sells things over Shabbos, that's for himself. That's a There's a similar Gemar Masech the Shabbos, which tells us that a person can give laundry to a laundry service or to a dry cleaner before Shabbos and pick it up after Shabbos, you know, asking the non-Jew to clean the clothes, to wash the clothes at his convenience. And even if he chooses to do so on Shabbos, it's permitted. It's permitted. Because I'm not paying him by the day. I'm not paying him by the hour, by the month, or by the year. The arrangement is for a job. When the Nachri chooses to do the job, is entirely up to him. That's a daite the Nachshayavad. If he chooses to do it on Shabbos, that's, that's on him. Um, I dropped it off before Shabbos. I'll pick it up uh, after Shabbos. And there was plenty of time for him to do it before or after Shabbos. Then the fact that he does it over Shabbos is a day that didn't have And the way Toysus phrases it over here at the end of his base is, Even though the Nachri does do it over Shabbos, I don't benefit from the fact that he did it over Shabbos. And therefore, it's permitted. This is a day that didn't have And that is, that is allowed. This is quoted by the Shulchan Aruch. Over here in two places, over here, Oishei, Shochanach Simrim, Reishmem, Zayin, Sifalef, that a person can put a letter in a mailbox, let's say on his way to Shul, knowing that the post office is going to pick it up the following day on Saturday. How can I do that? I'm asking the Nachri to do a malacha for me on Shabbos. Well, what you're really asking the Nachri to do is to do a job. When the Nachri, what is that? Transporting the letter from place to place, presumably outside of the Erev or the Tchum. Did I ask the Nachri to do it on Shabbos? No, I'm happy if he'll take uh, the mail on Sunday or Monday Shabbos or Friday right before Shabbos or Monday, Tuesday, whenever he comes, I'm fine. He decides that they're going to make a schedule in the post office to pick it up at 2 o'clock or 10 o'clock, whatever it is on Saturday. That's up to them. That's entirely on them. If I ask the Nachri to travel for Shabbos because I want express pickup or express delivery, that's a whole separate cheer. We could discuss that uh, independently. However, if I'm not makbid when the Nachri should travel... I don't care if he travels on Shabbos, I don't care if he goes Sunday or Monday, then it should be, uh, it should be allowed. Even though he's doing malacha for me on Shabbos, that's entirely a diet they didn't have to yeah? It seems like cases where you're asking a good, like let's say you work in an Amazon business, so you post stuff online on Sunday, right. anyone could buy anytime, and it just so happens that a bunch of guys buy on Saturday, because that's when most of the world is, is off. We're going to leave internet commerce for a different time, Amazon in particular, eBay, each one of them needs to be handled in particular. Internet commerce is a separate discussion, express delivery is a separate discussion, all these things are separate discussions. But let's just deal with the model of a person who has a regular business that operates on Shabbos, right? So if I, uh, I, I, I'm asking those are complicated, different situations, we can deal with them, but it really brings us in a different direction. But just in terms of the basic idea, if I ask a Nachri to do a job and I don't demand that he do it on Shabbos, um, okay, if he does it whenever he wants and I give him time before Shabbos to do it and after Shabbos to do it, that is fundamentally good because the diet didn't have Shabbos. The similar case of Shulchan Aruch has over here, Oizvav, Reishun Beisiv Beis. If I give uh, dry cleaning to the uh, uh, dry cleaner, laundry to the laundry service, before Shabbos, well before Shabbos, I pick it up well after Shabbos. I'm okay if he does it whenever he wants to. He decides to do it on Shabbos. It's entirely up to him. The Mishabur explains this is a day, the Nafshe of it. This is entirely on him. 
Um, that's provided, right? I don't ask him to do it on Shabbos. What if I do ask him to do it on Shabbos? So the Shulchan Aruch is very clear. If you ask, that's provided um, that I do not ask him to transport the letter. I do not ask him to uh, do the laundry or the dry cleaning specifically on Shabbos. If I would, then you can't say any longer that it's a diet they didn't have But if I give him the freedom to do it when he wants, then that's, that's on him, it's not on me. It wouldn't be included in the Easter of Amir and Lenachri B'Shabbos because that's considered to be a daite de Nafshayavan. Yeah. In the case of dry cleaners, let's say the guy says pickup is on Monday Shabbos, you've got to assume that he's probably. I don't care when he does do it. As long as it was time to do it before Shabbos, I if, drop it. If the guy tells you on Tuesday it's going to be ready Monday Shabbos, you're going to assume that he's probably going to do it on Shabbos. Do you wait another day and say no. wait until Sunday? No. Even if he, I know he does it on Shabbos for me, um, as long as I wait till, the Gemara says in Masech Beta, if I wait till after Shabbos, yasu, he could have done it Matzei Shabbos. Even though I know he did it on Shabbos for me, he could have done it Matzei Shabbos, that's enough of a heter to allow me to pick it up and to benefit from it. So, so over here, I didn't ask him to do this for me. On Shabbos, he decides to do it on Shabbos, that, that's up to him. Based on this, Rabbeinu Tam, yeah? What, what if some, if you ask someone to do, like if you ask them on Monday, can you like, do this job thing, I don't care what your schedule is. As far as I'm concerned, I'm the most important client. You have clients that are before me is irrelevant to me. That's your internal chashbayinus. I I could care less. As long as it was time to do the job before Shabbos, how he budgets his time is not my concern. Based on this, these two heterim, number one, the sharecropper, number two, the guy who's hired to do a job that he could have done before Shabbos or after Shabbos and chooses to do on Shabbos. So Rabbi Utam uh, argued that it should, be, it should be permitted for a person to hire a contractor to build him a home and allow the, con- the non-Jewish contractor and allow the contractor to work on Shabbos, to continue to build a home on Shabbos. Tysus quotes this in Avay Dezar as well as Masech the Shabbos. Rabbi Utam hit the Yisrael Shonos and based the Lassas B'Kablonos live no Yisboi Afigu B'Shabbos. He allowed a contractor to build a home even on Shabbos. Why? Because I'm not asking the contractor to work on Shabbos. I'm telling you I need a house built by January 1 of next year. You choose to work on Shabbos. That's, t- that's up to you. Whenever you could have you could have built a house if you'd work 24-6. You could build a house without working on Shabbos Yantav. If you choose to work on Shabbos Yantav because you want to work 9 to 5, you don't want to work on this day or that day or this holiday, that's up to you. But if, uh, if, as long as it was possible to do without working on Shabbos, then it's permitted. And therefore, Rabbeinu Tam allowed the contractors who build homes to work on Shabbos. At the same time, when Rabbeinu Tam came to build his own home, he didn't rely on this kula. At the end of Tosim Masech Tzavay Dezar, he said, in Masech Tzavay Dezar, he says, He didn't allow them to work on Shabbos. Even though they were not a poil, they weren't a person who was working by the hour, by the day, by the month, or by the year. That's, that's Amir Olenachri. They work for me, and everything they do is attributed to me. I'm paying you for a job. You can do it whenever you want, even though the contractors were... Um, and there was such, there was such an arrangement, uh, Rabbeinu Tam did not rely on this. And why, why not? So the Rishayinim explain uh, why Rabbeinu Tam might have had hesitation because there are many Rishayinim who disagree with Rabbeinu Tam. And one could disagree for two reasons. It's not similar to either case that uh, the Gemara brought up that is permitted. One, the sharecropper, right? The person who's, uh, who uh, leases his field to a sharecropper is going to work for Shabbos for his own profit. Or the laundry that you give to the dry cleaner. Um, to do that he decides to do over Shabbos. It's not similar to the sharecropper because the sharecropper is never paid by the Jew for the work he does on Shabbos. He um, uh, gives money to the Jew, right, to lease the field. All the money that he gets paid over Shabbos 
is from the customers, from the other non-Jewish customers who come over Shabbos. So the money that he gets is not uh, from the Jew. The money that he gets is from the customers that he has. So in that sense, he's like an owner, he's like a partner in the business itself. That's an entirely different arrangement. He's not working for the Jew. He never gets paid by the Jew. He, he pays the Jew for the lease, for the rent of the property, and then the money that he gets is from the customers. And it's not similar to the dry cleaning either. Why not? Because the dry cleaning happens in the house of the non-Jew. When I give my dry cleaning to the, you know, to the, to the laundromat or to the dry cleaner, where does he do the laundry the dry cleaning? In his own premises. His own premises. So that's entirely your cheshben. Where is this uh, house being built? On my property. My premises. So then the Rishayim are not happy with the head of Rabbeinu Tam because people will confuse a contractor with a day worker. And if they allow contractors to build home on Shabbos, people are going to come to allow day workers to work on Shabbos. People get paid by the hour, by the day, by the week, by the month, by the year. That certainly is a poil, the hand of the Balabayas, and it's considered would be a violation of Amir Wenachri. So people are going to confuse a Kabbalah with a poil. And that's why Toysus over here in the fourth line of his Gimel quotes the Re who disagreed with Rabbeinu Tam. Disagreed fundamentally with Rabbeinu Tam. Because he held that people, even though Strictly speaking, you're right. A kabbun, if I you know, give him the liberty to choose whatever he wants to do, and he chooses to do it on Shabbos, that's his cheshman, the Gemara was very concerned about a maris ayin, that if people don't know necessarily that this was the arrangement that's made, so then there is a maris ayin that the Jew is working over Shabbos, and over here there's a maris ayin that even though you have a contractor, maybe people will confuse this with a pale. Yeah? The sheer copper case, let's say the guy that's taking over for Shabbos is going to be selling maybe Friday's produce on Shabbos, and then on Sunday... You potentially could be selling what he was working on in the field. Would that be a problem? That's a further complication. You're saying, can I sell produce that he that we have worked on, on, on shopping? Yeah, okay, it's a little bit more complicated. Yeah. So th- this case happened, happened to my family. We hired like a contractor, and then they just showed up on shop. Yeah. So, so what do you do? if you you tell yes, them happened. don't come on Shabbos and they come anyway, there's not much you can do, right? You well, 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 let's get to Lomayas in a second, okay? So that, that was the Rabbeinu Tam and Machlech between Rabbeinu Tam and the Ri. The Ran phrases the concern of the Ri somewhat differently. His opposition to Rabbeinu Tam, he phrases somewhat differently, different formulation, and, and it's critical. It makes a world of difference. The Ran over here, Aizdawid, also disagreed with Rabbeinu Tam, not because if people see a contractor working on your house, they might not know that it's a contractor who's hired by the job, and they might think that it's a pile who's hired by the day, by the hour. Um, it's because people don't know the difference. Says the Ron, People are not nuanced, they're not savvy enough to know the difference between a contractor and a day worker. Now today, most people are familiar with the concept, right? But that's because, you know, this is something that's going to get to all of us. In other industries, this difference is not as perceptible, and a lot of people might not necessarily be as, as acquainted with the difference between a kabwan and a payo. And if they see people working and building homes for Jews on Shabbos, they might extrapolate from that that a payo is permitted too. Not because they're going to be that you have a payo, it's because they don't understand, even pick up on the difference between a kabwan and a payo. What's the difference between this, the way the Ron phrased it, versus the way the rephrased it? A world of difference. And that's what's picked up on the Bir Halacha, over here, Oizayin. The Shulchan Aruch and Oizayin quotes the opinion of Roy Harishayinim, not like Rabbeinu Tam, that you can hire a non-Jew to do a job for you, and if he chooses to do it over Shabbos, it's entirely up to him, as long as he, I gave him time before Shabbos to do it or after Shabbos to do it. However, that's provided, it's Bitsina and it's not the Beisel Shel Yisrael. But Medvar Mamurim says the Shulchan Aruch, Bitsina she'ein makirim hakol shedzu hamalach anasiz b'Shabbos Shel Yisrael that's as long as it's not on my property and it's my house and everybody knows that it's mine. Um, in which case, 
there's some concern that people will confuse a kablon with a pile. They won't recognize he's being hired to do a job and they'll think that he's being hired and paid by the hour um, or by the week. What if nobody knows this is my house? I have a property in uh, Montana. No one knows that this is mine and I'm building a ranch over there, you know? Um, yeah, so then if it's outside of the Tchum, the Ramah already talks about that maybe there's more room to be lenient because no one knows that this is your house. Or even if it's within the Tchum, no one knows that it's your house. Then there's more room to be lenient. But if everybody knows that it's your house, it's within the Tchum Shabbos, so then uh, we're machmer like the Ri, that that is, that, that at that point it would be prohibited because on your property, as opposed to Rabbi Tam, who allowed contractors to build Jewish homes on Shabbos. Here, it's on your property, there's a matter of sign, people are going to confuse the Kavan with a pearl. But what exactly is the Nakuda? Is it because people will extrapolate that if a ka, you know, if a Kavan, there'll be Chayshesh, that, that the people who work on your house are not a Kavan, that they're a pearl? Or is it because people don't understand the difference between a Kavan and a pearl? So the Bir Halacha over here quotes the truth from the Naid Behuda that there's a huge difference. Why? Because today, most homes are built with contractors. No one builds a home today by hiring their own day workers. Even contractors hire subcontractors. They themselves don't even hire their own day workers. So everyone's being paid for the job. You hire a bathroom guy, you hire a tile guy, you hire a plumbing guy, you hire an electrical guy. And you don't pay them by the hour, you pay them by the job. And you don't care when they do their job. So it's contractors are gabi contractors. No one hires a pearl anymore. So said the night Yehuda, no one's gonna be chayshish, you're building your house. No one's gonna be suspicious, you're building your house with a day worker, not a contractor, because no one uses day workers anymore to build homes. The, the fear doesn't exist. That was the head that the Neid Behuda had. So that maybe today they can, we could go back to Pasadena Rabbeinu Tam, that you can build homes, you know, Jewish homes on Shabbos with non-Jewish contractors. Uh, the Neid Behuda was only concerned, well, maybe someone will come from a different faraway land, right? The Neid Behuda was in Prague. Maybe people will come from a faraway place where they still do use day workers to build homes. Maybe the homes aren't as complicated, maybe they're more knowledgeable in how to build stuff. Whatever it is, maybe in that part of the world they do use day workers and they're going to come here and see Jews building homes with contractors and not know that it's a contract, they think it's a day worker like they do in their location and they're going to go home to their little shtetl and think that you can build, uh, you know, Jews can hire non-Jews to build homes for them. And they won't know that here we have a couple and there it's a pile. So Neid Behuda was hesitant about this uh, a little bit, but the Bir Halacha attacks Neid Behuda for um, missing out on the Ran. This only works with the opinion of, of the Ri, that his opposition to Rabbeinu Tam was that uh, people are going to accuse you of building your house with Payoim, or they're suspicious that you're using day workers instead of a contractor. So they know you argues quite well. Well, if everyone uses contractors, that fear doesn't exist. Says to be Allah, though, but he missed out on the Ran. The Ran says, no, it's not because people are going to be suspicious that you hire day workers and not a contractor. It's because people don't pick up on the difference between them. They think they're one and the same. And if they see Jews building homes with contractors on Shabbos, they're going to extrapolate from that. The Jews can ask Nachum to do other melachas for them on Shabbos, which are not arranged in a, you know, with, as a form of a kabbal, like a contract. It can be a day worker. And they think that that's permitted as well. And the Bialacha, as he is wont to do, piles on. And he says, the Ran isn't a Das. Yachid over here, there are six Rishayim who agree with the Ran, and it's a Pella that the Neid Behuda missed out on this view within the Rishayim. So he says, two lines from the bottom of Aizayin, He missed out on the Ran and that whole view, with that whole stream of uh, within the Rishayim, that this would be prohibited, even if it's common custom to use contractors. Ramesha and Rav HaPaiskin follow in the footsteps of the Neid Behuda. They believe that if it's a contractor and the whole industry uses contractors, that it can be 
it can't be allowed. And Ramosha argues today, it's not only in Prague, and it's not only in you know, specific locations that people build homes with contractors. Throughout the world, it's kind of universally done. No one builds homes with day workers. You know, the overwhelming majority of people build homes with contractors, and therefore no one would have any right to be suspicious of you that you're using you know, a day worker as opposed to a contractor. But because there is another view within the Rishayim, that it's because people don't understand the difference between the two, Ramesha, uh, you know, hedges a little bit the So on Shabbos and Yantav, Ramesha doesn't allow a contractor to build a house. On Chalamoyed, where there's also an Issa Malacha, Ramesha is willing to be lenient. So contractors who are building homes for Jews, non-Jewish contractors who are building homes for Jews can operate, you know, as long as they don't demand and dictate their schedule, but if it's up to them, when they want to come, they can come on Chalamoy, they can come on Shabbos Yantif. Let's say I tell the guy not to come Shabbos Yantif, and he shows up anyway. Well, at that point, what am I really supposed to do? And then that really just reinforces the fact that it's literally a diet to Dinaf Sheyavad. He's doing, doing what he wants, when he wants. We can't really hamstring him. What I can tell him, and what you should tell him, a lot of Jews are like, well, I try to tell him not to come, and he keeps coming. No, it's your job to say, I'm going to fire you if you keep coming. That's not the terms of contract. So you have to go that far. I believe you have to say, I mean, obviously you can't fire him if you already signed the contract, but basically you're not living up to your end. Our understanding was you're not going to work on Shabbos. You really have to call them out on it. You can't just be like, oh, I keep saying, you know, not to come, and he keeps coming. You know, like that, that's not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Can you say, I'm going to fire you on Shabbos? Like, no, you ignore it on Shabbos. Ignore it on Shabbos. If we say the landscaper comes on Shabbos, just ignore them. I mean, you know, you can tell them, go away, they're already here, they're already mowing the lawn, you can have a half-mowed lawn, and like the guy with a ha- half a haircut, you know, it's going to... I don't think you have to do that. You ignore them. You should under- understanding with your landscaper should be you don't come on Shabbos. If he keeps coming on Shabbos, and keeps coming on Shabbos, and then, you know, then you've got to tell him, look, I'm going to fire you if you keep coming on Shabbos. It's not our arrangement. But, um, you, you know, yeah. That, that's the way you have to deal with this kind of situation. At the end of the day, even though the Rabbeinu Tam was lenient, uh, the Mr. Brewer does quote a scary statement. I don't like scary statements in general, but the Mr. Brewer here quotes the name of the Sefer Chassidim, two lines from the top of the second side of the page. Mr. Brewer, Sifkan Yud, says, He hired a, a contract to build a house for him, and he worked on Shabbos, even though other Jews protested, like the Re against Rabbeinu Tam, he stood his ground. There wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a long while before he lost the property for him and for his descendants. So, you know, that kind of um, P.S. It doesn't work out well. Better to be machmir over here. Because we don't really accept this, uh, you know, everyone uses B'Kablan. It's a little bit for the round. The people don't understand the difference between a contract and a day worker. That's why the, um, some places were not happy with another comment of the Sefer, of the Chayodam. The Mishnah Brua. Back in Oizvav is talking about the halacha that if I give uh, Nachri something, you know, contract work out to him, and I don't demand that he do it on Shabbos, he does whenever he pleases, then it is permitted. However, that's provided he does it in his own premises, not in my premises, right? I can hide, I can give my uh, clothes to a dry cleaner, and he can clean them whenever he wants. If he chooses to do it on Shabbos, it's his business. If he can't use my washing machines in my house, I can't, uh, I can't, you know, hire a person to do my laundry for me. He can come whenever he wants, and he chooses to come and use my laundry machines on Shabbos. It's in my house. People are going to be suspicious that he's a day worker and not not a cobbler. If it's in my own house, um, if it's not in my house, then it's permitted. However, the Shulchan Aruch says, even when it's not in your house, if everybody knows that's yours, that's the Jews, then it's us, sir. There too, because again, people are going to be suspicious that he's a day worker and not a cobbler. So let's say, uh, example I've given other occasions, let's say you're the bub of a roof. The bub of a roof, the bub of a rebbe has a unique bekshah, only he wears. It's uh, unique to bub of. 
and he's going to dry clean it. So it's going to be hanging, the guy's going to be dry cleaning. I assume he gives it to a Yiddish dry cleaner, but he's going to be giving it to a guy who's a dry cleaner. He'll be drying it over there on 13th Avenue. Jews are going to be passing by and say, oh, the guy is dry cleaning the Rebbe's Bekashah on Shabbos. So then it says in Shulchan Aruch, that's not allowed. Or if Shefli used to give the example, Dr. Lamb had a car that used to drive him with a license plate, YU1. So anyway, he had the vanity plate then, YU1. So if I give my car to the mechanic to fix, uh, on Thursday, and I'm going to pick it up on Monday. If he decides to fix it on Shabbos, that's, that's not on me. That's, you know, I gave it to him to fix it whenever he wants. You know, that's fine. But that's because I have a van, I have my you know, SUV, whatever I have. No one's going to know the difference between my black minivan and anybody else's, you know, a silver minivan. But if you have the license plate, why you won? Or Musservad, you know, that's your license plate. <laughs> Yeah, so then, then it says in Shulchan Aruch, if everybody knows that it's yours, then it's, uh, it's a problem. It's a problem. It's like it's happening in your house. However, the Mishnah Baruch quotes in the Chayodam, Chayodam was Mako, if everybody knows that this is a contractor and not a day worker. If it's a mechanic, everyone knows you're paying him by the job, you're not paying him by the hour. If it's a dry cleaner, everyone knows you're paying him by the job, you're not paying him by the hour. So then the Chayodam was willing to be Mako. So the Archa Shabbos says in the Mishnah Baruch, quotes this Chayodam without any kind of disclaimer, without any kind of argument. That was the exact argument the Noyed Behuda made about building homes for Jews on Shabbos. Everybody uses contractors and therefore it should be allowed. And many points can reject it. That had to at least the chachila. Meikar, I didn't. We probably accept it, but the chachila, we don't rely on it. So the same way we don't rely on it over there, we shouldn't rely on it over here. And if a person has an item which is very, you know, recognizable that it's theirs, even if it's not happening on their premises, if it's obvious it's theirs, the malacha, you know, has to be careful not to take place on Shabbos. This all comes up very much. I say anybody who runs a business who outsources certain parts of their business to other people, um, call centers, uh, accounting services. And you pay, if I have a, people I pay by the hour, you can't allow them to work on Shabbos. If I run a, a business and I have non-Jewish employees and they want to come and do work in the office on Shabbos, you can't allow them to come to the office on Shabbos. If I pay them by the hour, you certainly can't allow them to work on Shabbos at all. If they work on their own, they work on their own. That's a, that literally a shi'ah. But I can't allow them even to come in and do work in the office on Shabbos because everyone knows it's my office, they're going to be suspicious that I uh, hire them to work on Shabbos is acting like a pile for me on Shabbos. If it's far away, no one knows that that's my office building or it's in the middle of the Empire State Building or the Freedom Tower. No one knows that I own the 73rd floor and why would any Jew be there you know, on the 73rd floor? Okay, so it's outside of the Trum. Then we can make an argument that maybe uh, you know, it is allowed. But fundamentally, um, if it's in my building, I can't allow it to take place. But even if I hire them based on the job, I hire them to do a job. Not that they're my regular employees who I pay by the hour, by the week, by the month, whatever their salary is, arrangement is. I pay them by the job, they really can allow them to work in my premises. If it's off of my premises, then it can be done as long as I don't demand that they work on Shabbos. So if I hire a call center to pick up my calls, uh, I can't ask them to pick up the calls on Shabbos. If I do, then, you know, then it's kablonos, which is normally allowed because I'm hiring them to do a job and not work by the hour by the day, but I'm demanding that they work on Shabbos. So you have to avoid these two problems, these two pitfalls. If you hire people to do a job, it's fine. They do whenever they want, provided I don't ask them to work on Shabbos. It doesn't happen on my premises. Yeah. What about a, a commission-based salary sort of? That's like- an aris. That's a sharecropper. Again, as long as it doesn't happen on my premises, and I don't ask him to work. If, don't ask, if, if don't, it happens on my premises, but everybody knows we have that kind of arrangement. That's like the Sada that I rent. That everybody knows you rent out that Sada. And, you know, that's the way that industry works. 
So then, 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 yes. So even if he works at home, obviously a guy is going to want to work at Shabbos because he wants to make more money. It's but a the, dietary denaf shabbos. But the business is going to make blank amount of percentage, and that's going to go to the pocket of the CEO who's from Jew. That's the, that's exactly the case of the RS. That is allowed. Okay. That is allowed. Yeah. In the cases where you have to make, you have to bill a certain amount of hours in order to get it's contract. You have to do a certain amount of hours in order to right. get your salary. But then, if you do pass, like let's say you have to do 100 hours in the entire year. So then, once you do 101 hours, you start getting time and a half or whatever. Correct. But you don't get paid hourly for those. That's being hours. paid hourly. That's being paid hourly, we call yeah, it? Yeah, not working nine to five, but whenever you make your own hours. But you're being paid by the hour. That's a pile. If I hire a cleaning woman or a cleaning man, and they, I say, do whatever you, whenever you want, you know, I'm going to pay you for three hours. You just choose which three hours those are. That's a pile. That's a pile. Okay, so that's the rule. Kablanos, Arisos, I hire them to do a job or if they get a share of the profits, then we can rightly call that a daita denaf shabbos and that's permitted, provided, I don't ask them to work on Shabbos and it's not in, you know, Bebeis Hashel Yisrael or everybody knows that we have this kind of arrangement that's like the, the Aris, everybody knows that you rent out the property um, to a sharecropper and he makes his share of the profits and he takes over the, you know, the, the business over Shabbos and then, then perhaps it can be allowed, yeah. If it happens like in your office, that's considered your house? Yes. Yeah, if you're the if you're the the controlling interest in the business, then yes. And there's no public knowledge. Like if you're working in a small company, ninety percent of the employees are not commission based, but there are a slight few, then that would be a problem. If the whole industry is not commission based, some are, some aren't. Then it's way more complicated. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's get back to the business that has, has, to, has to operate on Shabbos. So if the business has to operate on Shabbos, the fact that you outsource it to another company where I ask them specifically to work on Shabbos should still be a problem. However. The Shulchan Aruch, over here, Oisches, in some Reish Memdal Siv Vav, quotes in the name of the Mordechai, that um, with Jews who took a license to be tax collectors, you, you, you bought these licenses from the feudal governors, and you agreed to be their tax collector, right, the debt collector, and you got a, you, you, you got a share of that which you collected, much like debt collection works today. You got, oh, here today you buy debt, you buy the debt. But uh, here you got a share of that which you collected. You were only able to get the license if you agreed to work seven days a week, because then you'd be productive. If not, um, so then you know you wouldn't be able to get the license. So in order to you know to to operate the business, it had to operate seven days a week. So the Shulchan Aruch says, in the name of the Mordechai, that the Jew who got the license can outsource it to a non-Jew for Shabbos, um, and the non-Jew will take the share of the profits that he gets, you know, that share, the cut that the collector gets, he'll get that share from Shabbos, the Jew will preserve the license for the rest of the days of the week. Even though he's outsourcing to the non-Jew to work, uh, you know, to, over Shabbos, but he's demanding that the non-Jew work over Shabbos. That's part of the arrangement, is that he's going to do that collection over Shabbos. So he's working, you know, he's outsourcing the operations for Shabbos to the non-Jew with the understanding that the non-Jew is going to work over Shabbos. So he's getting a share of the profits, he is an artist, um, which normally would be a dietin of shayavah, but that's only permitted if I don't demand that he work on Shabbos. If I demand that he work on Shabbos, then it would be, you know, that would be, that would be prohibited. Here, the Mordechai allows it. Why is the Mordechai allowed? So the Mishaburah explains um, that it's because there's a hefzid gadol. The guy's going to lose his whole parnasa if you're not going to allow him to do this. And we were afraid that in a situation of a hefzid gadol, the Jew might come to violate Shabbos himself because his whole parnasa is on the line. And because his whole parnas is on the line, we were willing to be lenient that if it's a kablanos or it's an arisus, where we could say, I'm paying a person to do a job, or he's getting a share, you know, a cut of the profits, in which case he's working for himself, to die Normally, that kind of arrangement is allowed, provided I don't ask him to work or demand that he work on Shabbos. Um, here, they did allow it, 
because uh, we were afraid otherwise that he, the Jew was going to come to work for himself on Shabbos. So if it's a kablanos, our resource is permitted, uh, even though I'm demanding that he work on Shabbos, the Mishnah Brewer is quick to state that this is only if it's kablanos or our resource. That doesn't mean that every hefzid gadol entitles me to hire non-Jews to work on Shabbos. That's what he says over here, four lines from the bottom of Aishchez. The only case that's permitted by Malcolm Hefzid gadol is this situation. Either I give him the share of the profits, or I'm paying him to do a job. In each of these situations, you can rightly say he's working for himself. Doesn't mean that I can hire workers and keep my business open, you know, but Malcolm has to go though over Shabbos. No, certainly not. And he says, unfortunately, people um, were confusing these two issues and keeping their businesses open over Shabbos. Of course, that's wrong. But if I'm hiring to do a job or he's getting a share of the profits, even though there's no way only permit, if I don't demand that he work on Shabbos here, it would be allowed, but Malcolm Hefzid Gadol. So therefore, Maisha is a Chuvah, Negros Maisha. It's based on earlier Chuvahs from the Neid Mehud, and some safer. Let's say a person has a factory, and uh, in order to make the factory viable, it needs to operate over Shabbos. So Maisha says what you can do is hire a Nakri to um, manage the factory. And he'll keep the factory open, you know, uh, whenever he chooses. It'll be a diet to the Nafshe Avad. You'll outsource it to a management company or to some CEO or some person whose job it is to manage the factory, and he'll keep it open at the hours that he wants, even though it's part of the understanding that he's going to keep it open on Shabbos. So it's a kablonus. He's not being paid by the hour, this guy. He's being paid by the job to manage the factory. Um, it's your job, your factory, you know, people work for you. Um, the owner is the owner. He's going to get the revach. But the factory is under the management of a third party who's a non-Jewish, and he'll run the factory as he sees fit, even though it's the understanding he's going to keep it open on Shabbos because B'mokom Hefzid Godo, this was allowed. Oh, let's say a realtor. Classic example. I want to sell a property. I hire a realtor to sell the property for me. The realtor gets a cut of, you know, the sale price or percentage of the sale price. So can they show the property over Shabbos? He's literally an artist who's working for himself. Now, I, I, if I demand that he show the property over Shabbos, you know, so that should have been... If I don't demand that he show it over Shabbos, he does it whenever he wants. He decides to show it over Shabbos. That's entirely up to him. If it's based on Shabbos Yisrael, though, people are going to see, you know, that it's in my house or it's a property that I own, then you have a little bit of the problem of the Marasayin. But one could argue here, everybody knows that you sell property through a realtor. No one sells property themselves. So it's clear that he's working for himself. It's not the best header, but Malcolm Hefzid Gado, um, we might allow it. Or even if I ask him, I want him to sell it on Saturday, because that's what many people are going to come to look at these kinds of properties. They're going to come on Saturday, so it's going to be a very busy day, specifically my, you know, particularly my market is to non-Jews. So if, uh, you know, if it's Malcolm where I could lose out of making a lot of money, then the price game here would be, would be lenient. Yeah. Not a big, I was, was going to ask my question, but not like a, even a big loss. On a day that obviously the weekend is more common for people to come, it's kind of unavoidable to have them come on Shabbos. Agreed. Or not come on Shabbos. I don't think you should have a realtor show, showing your house to non Jews while you're in the middle of the Sudha Shabbos. Doesn't seem to me to be Shabbos thick. Um, I think that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, a pirza. But if I'm selling a commercial property in Midtown and the non-Jew is going to, whatever the non-Jewish firms that sell these properties are, you know, the realtors, he wants to show it on Shabbos. He's working on commission. He's going to, you know, everyone knows he sells these properties through, uh, you know, commission-based entities. And even if people know that it's my building, but Malcolm said if it's Bikaplonis, he can allow people to, to do this, particularly if there's some sort of, if it doesn't matter, I could sell it just as equally on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and so then show it on those other days. But if there's a concern of a Hefzid, 
or not everybody knows that it's my property, then then you can be. If there's like a partnership, like a 50-50, why can't you just have the guy work on Shabbos and he take I'll 100%? Partnerships in one second. Okay, the partnerships in one second. Uh, so getting back to nursing homes, yeah? <coughs> Arrangements where it's like 30%. Uh, like if you're a silent partner, none of this is relevant to you. Yeah, but 30% base salary and then like ah, 70% commission. Good question. So the Ramayusha writes, as long as it's a, a commission that would motivate you, some sort of debate how much a percentage does it have to get that it's considered to be working for yourself. But as long as it's enough of a percentage that motivates you to continue to do the job or do it better, then, then that's, 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 uh, that's a significant percentage. So getting back to nursing homes that have to operate over Shabbos, if you have real estate um, properties where malacha happens, maybe, maybe no malacha happens in the, real, the commercial or residential real estate over Shabbos. But if, uh, if it does, or certainly nursing homes with our malachas that are taking place above and beyond those that are permitted because of Bikoach Nefesh or because of Chaylem, uh, um, so the price scheme today have recommended that what you, the way it be structured is you hand off the management of the nursing home facility to a third party of you know, non-Jews, and they will manage the facility as they see fit. And even though I'm asking them to do so specifically on Shabbos, B'makom Hefzid Meruba, Hefzid Golo, it can be... Um, it can be allowed because it's really a diet. I'm asking him to do a job and not work for me by the hour. That's the way that it's uh, recommended that it operate. Real estate properties too. If you have a residential property where malacha does happen over shop, it would be best to hand it off to a management entity and uh, they will manage the facility on behalf of the owners. Sometimes, you know, and whether you should give them a share of the profits is a nice addition. Give them a cut of the profits is also good. Makes him more of an artist, not just a cobbler. I don't know if that's necessarily required. And the people who work in the facility should understand they work for the management company, but they have to be paid by the management company, can be paid by the owners, a detailed machlekes at the price from today. But that's a great way to set up uh, business, a lot of details that go into that, but that's basically the structure that can be, that can be used. That's not practical in all settings because a lot of times the prof- profitability of nursing homes is in the management of the home. Sometimes it's you know, in the ownership of the home, but the management is a big piece. A lot of people make money in the management of homes. There's some, there's some people, that's all they, they do is manage homes. So to hire, to outsource, to, you know, hire an outside firm to do the management for you, you're losing, you're losing perhaps a revenue stream. It might not, it might, you know, it might uh, make the whole you know, endeavor not profitable in the first place. So that's why it's the cleanest, it's the easiest, um, even though there are a lot of details that go into setting it up, but it's not necessarily feasible in every situation. Another arrangement, the second arrangement that could you know, help perhaps negotiate the situation of a business that has to remain open on Shabbos is to have a non-Jewish partner. If you have a non-Jewish partner. The Gemara says, if you have a partnership between Jews and non-Jews, so what uh, they should do is, when they originally enter into the partnership, the arrangement should be that the work of Shabbos will be designated for the non-Jew, the work, and that will be offset by another week, day during the week when all of the work will be um, will be uh, the responsibility of the Jew. And the profits of Shabbos will go to the non-Jew when he's entirely responsible for the business and the properties of that day during the week that's set aside to offset Shabbos will be the responsibility and the, you know, the benefit of the, of the Jew. If you go into the business without this kind of understanding, you can't make this arrangement subs- uh, uh, um, um, afterwards. Why not? Um... Because once the understanding is that, you know, Shabbos is not necessarily the sole responsibility of the non-Jew, 
is the understanding is that it's kind of both of ours. So then if I shift later on the responsibility of Shabbos to the non-Jew, that's like asking the non-Jew to do something for me after we already started the business. So that's why kind of has to be baked into the cake from the beginning, that Shabbos is the responsibility of the non-Jew, and therefore when the non-Jew works on Shabbos, he's not working for me, he's doing it entirely for himself. Um, and then the original arrangement should be to have a day that offsets that where the business is entirely the responsibility of the Jew. In order to have this kind of arrangement, though, you know, you obviously have to have a significant non-Jewish partner. It can't be a 2% partner because all of Shabbos and Yantif is going to be his responsibility and the profits of those days are going to go be, you know, be attributable to him. So he has to be like a 20% partner because Shabbos and Yantif is like 20% of the days throughout the year. If you have a business like that, that's great. If you don't have a business with a 20% non-Jewish partner, to ask a person to bring on a 20% non-Jewish partner is, again, going to cut into the profitability of the business, not the way that they want to do business in the first place. There is an interesting kula that Ramah has, that this whole discussion in the Shulchan Aruch about attributing days, this one to that one, and a day offsetting it during the week, is only if some days of the week the business is run by one of the partners, the other days during the week is run by a different one of the partners. What if they both work in the business together every day? So then, do the workers work for me any more than they work for the non-Jewish partner? No, they work for both of us. So even if I decide to stay home, says Ramah, the non-Jew has the right to come in and run his share of the business, and he has the right to ask the non-Jews who work for him to come in to work. Because they're working for him. They don't only work for me. So then I just get you know, kind of schlepped along, and as long as everybody's okay that I stay home on Shabbos, and they're all coming in to work for the non-Jew... So then uh, the rabbi seems to say, well, then that, that is acceptable. And the Aruch HaShulchan over here, Oisin Aleph, therefore devises a different situation that might be permitted, which wouldn't have to revolve this kind, involve this kind of exchangement of days. He says, Even a, you know, a store where you have a Jewish partner and a non-Jewish partner, even though the Jewish partner is going to stay home, the non-Jewish partner is entitled to come into work. And he's entitled to ask the non-Jewish workers to come in and work for him because they work for him just as much as they work for me. In which case, you might not necessarily need a non-Jewish partner as a 20% equity stake um, as, as much as motivates him to come into work and ask the non-Jewish employees to work for him. Maybe that can be, maybe that can be a wrap. But again, it's hard to arrange uh, or ask a Jewish business owner to take a non-Jewish partner with any kind of significant equity stake where the person is actually running the business on the side. Um, you know, if that wasn't their understanding from the outset. So a management company is the best ATSA. That's what the price can recommend today is to have a management company that manages the facility or management, uh, manages the real estate if there's malachas involved in the real estate. But, uh, and, uh, you know, the, or another equally acceptable you know, uh, option would be to have a legitimate non-Jewish partner. And some businesses have that, and that's great. However, where these are not feasible, then the, the, uh, the or practical, so then the, kind of, kind of the other option that many people know about is selling the business for Shabbos. Much like we sell chametz over Pesach to the non-Jew, we buy it back after Pesach, one could sell a business to a non-Jew, and the non-Jew will operate it over Shabbos. The profits of Shabbos will be his, um, but you're going to end up collecting those profits in the form of payment for the business. The way it's structured is, the non-Jew pays a nominal amount in order to take ownership of the business, and then he is required to make certain payments for me after Shabbos in the amount of the profits that he reaped for over Shabbos. So even though the profits are his over Shabbos, because it's his business over Shabbos, he ends up having to hand those over to me as payment for the business. And as a result of the outstanding loan that I lent him, that I didn't ask for the money up front for the business, there's an interest payment that's due in the exact amount of the profits that he earns for Shabbos. So he ends up having to give the profits for me, 
for this, you know, for payment for the business, which he ostensibly runs and operates and benefits from as it operates over Shabbos, much like we would structure Mechiris Chamez over Pesach, yeah. Maybe a little bit off, but off topic, but if the, let's say you have a Geisha worker, the co-partner who's just way better than you are. So because he's open on Shabbos, the entire week is going to be much better for you because he's working there, whereas if you were to work on Shabbos, you would I hitch my horse, uh, my wagon to a good horse then. Yeah, that's good. That's great. That's great. That's a, you know that's a, that's the benefit of having an Jewish partner here. But if you don't, so then we talked about selling a business for Shabbos. So is that a possibility or not? We do it for Pesach. Well, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this argument. We do it for Pesach. Well, why is Shabbos any different? So the Biyalach is very upset about this mechira. Um, they're talking about selling an animal. A person has a cow. You can't do anything with a cow over Shabbos. So let me at least rent my cow to my neighbor. He'll milk the cow over Shabbos, get money from the milk, and then I'll you know, you know, buy it back after Shabbos. So they weren't selling a store. They were selling cows or animals or goats, whatever the situation might be. Then you bought it back after Shabbos. You sold the animal to the guy over Shabbos. So there's such a thing around, such an arrangement around. So the Be'er is very unhappy with it, and contemporary poets can continue to express their displeasure with this arrangement. Why? Why is it any different than Mechir Chametz? So the answer is um, for a few reasons. It's different than Mechiris Chametz because Mechiris Chametz is to avoid a prohibition. If one avoids a prohibition, however you do so, that's acceptable. Right? If, if I manage to wear wool and linen without violating the laws of Shatnas, that's great. That's, that, that's fantastic. You didn't do anything wrong. Um, however, with regards to Mitzvah Sasei, it's a little bit different. Mitzvah Sasei, positive commandments, opportunities to build a relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, we don't try and sidestep. Let's say a person travels all of Sukkot such that he's holchei drachim, all of Sukkot. Holchei drachim, the Mishnah says in Sukkot, patum sukkah. So, did you observe Sukkot properly? I was holchei drachim the whole time. No, you missed out on an opportunity to come close to Hashem. So, so too, um, uh, uh, Shabbos, Shabbos is not just a prohibition. Shabbos is, it is a say of Shabboson, of connecting with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Chametz is a prohibition. You need to avoid Chametz. As long as you avoided Chametz by letter of the law, that's fine. Mrs. I say, we don't take that attitude. We'll focus more on the spirit of the law and the letter of the law, and we would, we would want to seize opportunities to fulfill Mrs. I say, not try and sidestep them. So even though this is a ruse, and we engage, we employ ruses and, and subterfuges, legal fictions when it comes to prohibitions, when it comes to Mrs. I say, uh, we have somewhat of a different attitude. Yeah. Why is this method any different in terms of like, becoming closer to Hashem? Like you're not doing the business on Shabbos, and all the other options, you're also not doing the business on Shabbos. No, no, here, it's a subterfuge. Here, if I hand it off to a management company, I hand it off to a management company. If I have a legitimate non-Jewish partner, I have a legitimate non-Jewish partner. That, that, here, it's a legal fiction. We, we, we know yeah, who the business belongs to. Yeah, but we know who the business belongs to. We know. We know. We, 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 I mean, we're going to do our best to make sure that it's legitimate, but it's a ruse. It's, it's a legal fiction, but it's... But in the end of the day, the, you're... In all three cases, you're accomplishing the same goal of becoming closer. Uh, no, because the other two are legitimate. Uh, Why is this one not because legitimate? It, you're right, but this is a ruse. Those are not ruses. The whole week I hand off my management, I hand off my firm to a management company. The whole week I have a non-Jewish partner. Uh, that's not, uh, there's, no, there's no subterfuge going on. Yeah, this is a subterfuge. It's really your business. You're selling to the non-Jew to operate over shops to avoid Hilcha Shabbos. That You're only doing it to avoid Hilcha Shabbos. Yeah, so that's why it's a little bit different. It's also different because many of these businesses, you can't transfer ownership legally 
um, without registering with the government. You can't transfer ownership of a nursing home to another party unless they're licensed to run the nursing home and you register with the state. The state monitors these things. So you can't make a little agreement with, uh, you know, with uh, you know, your, your superintendent in your boardroom of your uh, nursing home. I'm going to sell you my nursing home for Shabbos. So yeah, we're good, we're good. No, you have to register with the state. He has to be a licensed uh, home runner. You, you can't do these things. So legally, it's not acceptable. So you say, okay, who cares? But halachically, it's acceptable. Yeah, but that speaks to the legitimacy and the seriousness of the sale. We try in Mechir Eschamis to go to great lengths to make sure the sale is serious. Uh, but but more, you know, more importantly, this guy has no idea how to run the business. How could it even be that we're going to tell him, it's your business over Shabbos, all the employees work for you and the profits are yours, but you have to hand them over to us because of debt payments that you have for the business because you bought the business from us. What? The guy doesn't know the employees, he doesn't know where the business is, he doesn't know how the business is run. So if you're going to do this, if you're going to sell a business for Shabbos, which generally recommended, certainly what I recommend, is that it's sold to a person who's in the business in a position of power within the business, meaning it's your CEO of the business. So your non-Jewish CEO, the guy who runs the business, Anyway, everyone knows him. He knows the business. They all feel they work for him anyway. So you sell the business for him for Shabbos. That would be, you know, the best kind of arrangement. Even better would be to make him, if he's your CEO anyway, make him a shell corporation that's going to be a third-party management firm for you that will, you could, you know, basically say it's your job to run the firm and pay him not on a per diem basis or a weekly basis, monthly basis, but pay him for the job of managing the home 24-7. You know, it's your job to manage the home. So that would be a better arrangement, but even if you don't have that kind of arrangement with this you know, management firm, if you're going to sell him the business, he legitimately runs the business. Anyway, everybody knows him. He knows the ins and outs of it. So then that can be, um, you know, that, that, would be, that would be better. That would certainly be better if you're going to sell a business for jobs. Anyway, many parties can be opposed to this. Many parties can be approved of it. The Dibre Chaim, the Tanzarov, allowed it. So much so that his son, the Shinever, the Shinnever, the Divrei Cheska, was upset about it. There's two versions of the story, but um, because the Shinnever um, didn't allow it, the Divrei Chaim was opposed to him. He felt that you're making Shabbos too hard for Jews. So he told them, whenever you visit my house, you don't come in the front door, you come in the window. Why? You're making Shabbos hard for Jews, it's going to be hard for you to visit my house. You should feel some of their pain. You made Shabbos hard for them, it's going to be difficult for you to enter my house. Uh, the other version of the story is the Shinnever was upset of his father for allowing it. So he wouldn't walk in the front door because he wouldn't want to be, you know, give, be, give a haskama to his father and his heta, so he only entered into the window. I, I, I don't know which version of the story is accurate, but uh, either way, there was, it's a machwek, it's a paiskim, whether or not this is allowed. Most cont- you know, contemporary paiskim, if they do it, they do so begrudgingly. Um, really unhappy, we're unhappy about it, but sometimes it's the only arrangement which is feasible. However, we'll just close. This over here, the Mishnah Brewer has a really important line for all those who are engaged in businesses that coincide with Shabbos, which is everybody, that um, it's important to stress bitochen. There are two lines from the bottom of the Yerlacha says after this discussion about selling a business for Shabbos, person who has bitochen and Kaddish Baruch fulfilled, tries his best to fulfill the halachas, so Kaddish Baruch should bless his business with Hatzlachas, or Rabbi Yisai, choose wisely what career path to go into, try and avoid Shabbos and Chilul Shabbos and all these kinds of things, but the most important thing, have bitochen and try and fulfill the halachas the best that we can.